At the signal, time will be out of joint. And welcome to Weird Signal Podcast, the podcast of all things weird, eerie, and hauntological. I'm Lucy, and I'm here with Sean. Hello! And this this episode, we're like continuing a, uh, a theme that we talked about extensively, but we in fact just spent like two and a half hours discussing uh, in um, our podcast on Dashcam and the last broadcast, which is uh, the inherent horror of the internet and internet culture. Um, but from a radically different perspective on this kind of like genre of sorts that is screen tech, like screen horror, I wanted to say, we, we, I don't know, we can, we can unpack that a little bit, but we're going to be discussing Jane Schoenbrunn's 2021 screen horror, 2021 horror film, We're All Going to the World's Fair. And we're not doing this alone, uh, because we are joined by video assist, uh, musician, and now author, and, um, <laughs> And indeed, start of this film and and many other things. May Leets, aka Nixpears. Hi, I'm May Leets. I'm from the internet, um, and I'm sitting at a desk, and I'm going to talk about the movie I was in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've had you on the podcast before, back in 2021. Peak pandemic. Peak yeah, pandemic. Very true. Yeah, yeah, when we uh, talked about uh, Martyrs, which is the best film and the film that you should watch with your mother. Yeah, um, fun, fun fact, I watched Martyrs again, like, what, about a month ago or something? Uh, with with my uh, girlfriend, and she fucking hated it. <laughs> and I was like... I was like, I understand. I completely understand. Um, but anyway, I think that that's funny. Uh, yeah. given <laughs> given the context of that, I put in so much work to analyze it several times, uh, and it was just like full force. Like, no, that was that was a fucking nightmare, um, which I agree. Uh, anyway, yes, yeah, I feel like I just kind of wanted to pick up on the fact that like both of these films have like tonally quite similar soundtracks. People are flayed oh. in both films. people are flayed and hung upside down in both films yeah it's like arguably more applicable to this one but it is just kind of like okay (laughs) it's just like eerie and chill and it's like yeah um but yeah and then then someone gets flayed and then someone Um, gets flayed yeah yeah uh so yeah i I think our like our loose theme is gonna be just like internet horror i've got like a couple of like things i kind of flagged up for us to cover but this is kind of like one of our I don't know, like, I always say it's, like, informal, and then I just drop it, like, here's our agenda. Um, <laughs> I understand. But, yeah. Um, the thing I kind of, like, wanted to actually lead on is the fact that, like, and this was, like, unintentional, and I realized, um, as I was putting together this document that we're looking at, um, that, like, I was sort of, a couple of, um, well, it's actually, no, like, last month, I'm looking at the tweet, the, um, the creator, Jane Schoenbaum, uh, put out a tweet that was, uh, Quote, uh, are you trans? Did you write about we're the film? We're all going to the World's Fair. Please reply with your piece so that we can make a little compendium of trans writing on the movie. And this is an audio medium, but I realize, like, wait, no, this is, like, this is, to some extent, a contribution to that. It's, like, a nice kind of, like, little continuing collaborative, like, sphere of discourse. And, like, yes, technically, Sean is here and sis, but I've, um, <laughs> we've got, like, a two-to-one ratio going, so that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm cis, but I am gay, so like, I yes. know, does that mean anything? Like, that, <laughs> that counts for something. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and it's like kind of, I don't know, I was kind of thinking about like what that means in this context, because it's like we we are fairly detached in terms of like we are our classic model of weird signal is that we talk about the film and then everything else that we can talk about that's not the film but is to, uh, applicable to the at film. least tangentially connected yeah. to the film so yes. i don't know so i was like kind of like ah uh, this is this is an interesting well i was i was going to find this like an interesting challenge and it's like not one i'm necessarily like putting to the group this is just kind of like my take on it of like kind of oh yeah like what is what is queer or what is trans about this film and like you know, make that like the starting point great question um, honestly yeah i um in a recent conversation with um with philippa snow um <laughs> who like friend of the show philippa snow uh-huh. um i i think i was like uh we were both enthusiastically like describing this film to someone we cornered at a um it was like a a literary reading thing uh it was it was in fact the um the the one of the promotional events for her book which has you know means violence um but yeah i was like i was thinking like so like creepypasta is trans it's like elaborate on that no <laughs> um, right so that this is my this is my elaborate on that no moment um i understand but also i'm going to elaborate on it a little bit okay um, probably but yeah uh and right are we ready to like do roll synopsis? Sure. Lucy, what's the film we're all going to the world's fair about? So, you want to join the internet's scariest online horror game? Well, okay. But just remember, we can't be held responsible for what you become. All you have to do to get started is take the challenge and then begin um well yeah huh. and how much Again, are tickets well <laughs> sorry and how much are tickets to the world's <laughs> how much are tickets ah uh, um well it's not as um as i explained to max the other day a shot for shot remake of that simpsons episode where they go to the world's fair <laughs> um very sad <laughs> yeah uh which would have been a lot easier to describe because it's like i don't know like the way i found to i don't know like as with um uh as 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 listeners will have like noted from my slightly garbled attempt to explain what happens in the last broadcast it's like it's it's kind of difficult to dis- detach or like explain kind of like the plot of the film without like explaining what the film is or what it's doing but like we can the plot the plot are very very are identical yeah Yeah. it's it's very much about like the the way the thing takes shape more than like what exactly the thing is itself i think yeah Yeah, because like fun like fundamentally what it's about is a lonely teenage girl called uh, casey who makes a kind a connection of sorts with an anonymous internet weirdo through a participation in a is it MO, what is the acronym? A, a, a massive multiplayer online role MMO? playing game. Yeah, called, yeah, yeah. Called we're all going to the world's fair, and then and then they stop talking, and that is the film. Like that's fair. Like this, this effect. Like yeah. not much happens. You know, they make but, videos. They kind of they they communicate back and forth, and then it's like. And uh, yeah, and we see as as the film goes on, we like see just how like isolated she seems to be from the world. Um, that like uh, we hear her father, but we never see him. You know, and it seems to be like they have some kind of like adversarial relationship. She uses uh like ASMR videos to get to sleep at night and things like that. It's yeah. very, and it's and there's only two people credited in the whole film. It's her and 
the other guy who thinks well, let me just check boy he's actually credited as because i think it's just like uh, he was in beyond the black rainbow What's y- it? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, JLB is the guy. Michael yeah. J. Rogers. Is I, I'm now so realizing that I probably need to do a little full disclosure real quick because I, I haven't done this yeah. yet. But um, so for those at home, you can't take anything I say as having any meaning or value whatsoever because I am in the movie. <laughs> I am in the movie <laughs> and I did have a scene with that guy, uh, I believe. But it got cut. And it, it sure. and it's gone, but yeah, it what we did okay. shoot it, <laughs> uh, yeah, That's wild, yeah, I know. Um, but basically, because of that, nothing I say, uh, critic in in any sort of critical capacity can be, uh, um, seen as uh, my opinion because clearly I am uh, marketing a movie uh, that I am in so that people see it so that I grow more powerful. So understand <laughs> that I am here entirely as an act of, uh, of you know, uh, self-image. Perfect. Well, I think that the, the weird signal consensus is that this this film rules this fucks you know yeah yeah it's pretty good we love this film and we uh, we encourage you listener to immediately spend money spend money on watch on, on watching this film do it now do it now buy it on blu-ray <laughs> buy, buy buy multiple copies for you, for you and your friends and your enemies go get yourself a laser <laughs> really disc yeah um yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that because i realized i didn't actually pay to watch this film at any <laughs> but, um, it's okay i didn't pay to watch it either uh, but, <laughs> i i torrented it to be honest with you i i went on the pirate bay i'm yeah, entirely well, I mean, joking about a movie i'm like, in i i just went ahead and went straight to pirate bay for it that's like when you you know like go on soul seek to get the mp3s of something you bought on vinyl it's it's fine exactly <laughs> Every time, yeah, okay. anytime any of my music drops, the first thing I do is go download it off a torrent site. <laughs> I watched, I, 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 I watched it on Shudder, so like money from my wallet has gone to this film. So Technically, that, that's I, true. Yes. Technically, like indirectly via Shudder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> with whom we, with whom we have no financial relationship. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so mercy. Yes. Yeah. Um. I guess, like, actually, no, I kind of, like, um, this is, like, you know, before we plunge into kind of whatever, whatever like, analysis comes of, like, um, meeting of minds over this, like, so you just mentioned, like, yeah, there was actually, there is, there is, there is actually kind of spiritually more Maylites in this film than is in the final cut, however, like, can you speak to, like, you know, what the process of your involvement was? Was it kind of a two-way street or, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, so the process of my involvement in this film started about uh, 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago, I, uh, I logged on to the internet and I opened, I created a Gmail email. And, and then one day, 10 years after that, I got an email in that Gmail <laughs> with, uh, and that's how this started. Uh, no, uh, th- th- I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, no, I I uh, I got an email one day uh, from Jane Schronberg Burden Schronbrun. I'm I'm bad at names, uh, and I know no, this. I've person. relentlessly misspelled their name throughout all my notes. I want like, J- Jane. I know you're listening, Jane, and I'm so I sorry. I, I spoke to Jane like I spoke to Jane like two weeks ago. Um, 
so weird. Um, but it was for something completely unrelated. But uh, anyway, yeah, no, I uh, got an email. I think was it was one of the producers for it. And I listen, I've gotten emails about being in movies before, but I didn't do it because most of them did not offer to pay me any money or give me any details that made me interested in actually being a participant. But um, they were like, yeah, uh, we, we don't need you for much. You just need to basically be like you're you're basically uh a utility of the film uh, in that we're trying to lend credibility to the narrative by having actual people that create content basically create fake content for the movie to make it look like it's like a thing that's going on in a real universe. And so they were like, you know, you make videos on YouTube. What if we uh, sort of came on down there, flew on down, and just shot some stuff with you uh, on your set. And also, you are a character in the movie. You do have lines, and all of those are going to be over Zoom. So I was like, that's interesting. Uh, and, and I'll be getting how much money? And they were like, $50 or something. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was like, pretty low. Um, but, I mean, I only worked for, like, two hours, so that's fair um that's, but that's pretty good freelancer rights yeah no non-sag yeah pretty great um like the fucking um salvador dali's like being the highest paid actor in hollywood oh yeah um, on dune um, yeah. jodorowsky's day right well so um we i guess i was kind of of the mind that because i've been in a lot of tangentially involved in a lot of films that exist i've even made i've made my own films um the process has a tendency to be kind of a fuck in that sometimes these things just die on the on the the pre-production birthing bed (laughs) they just don't they just don't they don't come out you know what i mean uh so so i've been in a lot of I've been involved in a lot of things that have not seen the light of day. So the reason I I was like, I'll do this was because it looked like this one might actually see the light of day. And at this time, you know, Jane was a filmmaker from New York who was not, um, you know, was making uh, internet content, you know, had a couple of like, um, like show things i think i i still have one um lying around that she gave me but uh yeah it was like not a uh big name or anything by that time i think this movie has completely made her in in the eyes of a lot of cinema fans i think that's really cool and good um but but yeah um so didn't know anything about her uh, what was going on, what the budget was, what the thing looked like. It, it just was indie horror film, you know? And like, whenever you get invited to be in an indie horror film, you have to immediately accept that that film will never come out. No one will ever see it. And you're not going to get paid a dime. So, um, <laughs> which is my favorite kind of work, free work. Um, but anyway, so uh, it looked good. Like, they were offering to pay. They had a schedule, you know? I was like, wow, amazing. Um, <clears throat> we have sent you a PDF. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they had yeah. their shit together. Like I had to sign a release and taxes and all kinds of shit for it. So I was like, this is not un legit. So then um, a couple months later, Jane flew into Austin, then drove up to where I was living in Texas. We shot in uh, in my living room for a couple hours. Uh, then we went and had a burger and then Jane left. And that was <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, that was it for about like four months or some shit. Like it was a long time. Uh, brought the, like mailed me these wings so that I could have wings in the video. There was a lot of variables, but anyway, so, uh, so four months later I get a, I get a email. Hey, it's time to shoot your other scene on zoom. And I'm like, cool, cool and dope. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so sat down, uh, did this, did the scene. Um, it, it was like di heavy dialogue stuff. So shot that. I thought it was pretty good, but um, I can see utilitarian-wise why it didn't make it into the film because, like, I think a lot of the film is very isolated. You know, it's, like, very silent at most of it. You know, people not talking about their feelings, not talking about what's going on. Very subdued, quiet movie. And so the fact that I had like three pages of dialogue randomly near the end of the movie was just kind of, it would have fucked up the pace of the movie like a lot and the tone like completely. So I was like, I completely understand why you cut that scene. Um, but either way, we did shoot that scene. Uh, and basically the way that worked was we were on Zoom, but they had their camera off because they were shooting on a, a camera. At this point, I hadn't, realized that it was an Ari Alexa, but they were shooting on a camera. So, you know, in my, in my admittedly child brain, I was thinking like <laughs> they've, they probably got themselves a nice little DSLR over there and they're, you know, they got a little mic and they're making their little film. I had no idea the scale of the movie at all. None, none up until the day I saw the movie, I didn't know. So like, Go so ahead. Just like, so the, the context of the fact that, like, you weren't just... I don't know, like, how much of, like, the script... Like, you know, the None. general story and... Th yeah, that's that's kind of wild. It's like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm succumbing to uh, some sort of, like... In some either abstract or literal sense, it's not been established yet. Like, some kind of elaborate internet curse. And I am becoming a kind of, like, mimetic virus. Yes. Yeah. I'm an eldritch media. demon on the internet. So. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a lot to bring up over burgers. <laughs> I agree. Um, and so, you know, and we had a bunch of conversations about, you know, internet culture, being trans, being trans and being on the internet, being trans and being on the internet and how people are really fucking weird to you. And then like detailed conversations about horror stories from my time on YouTube and then I saw so okay hold up so they uh they hit me up about a year later no shit uh after I shot the thing and they were like hey we're coming to Dallas to show the movie and I'm like cool I hope that goes great for you and then they're like no <laughs> we want we want you to go and this is like right at the end of you know 
lockdown stuff. So we were like, shit, like going outside, like out there. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I went to the screening and I had a notably weird time. So uh, we went to the screening at the door, Jane producer, and then somebody else, I don't remember who, uh, was there and they were like hey uh so yeah we're gonna watch a movie and then afterward we're gonna do like a little q a and we'd love to have you up for the q a if you want to talk you know because the movie is you know in a large part about a lot of your experiences and i was just like it is and um and I, which i had no idea uh it was a nice surprise so um so they were like yeah um have you seen the movie? And I was like, no, no, I haven't seen the movie. How would I have seen it? And uh, they were like, we emailed you a link to see the movie before this because we didn't want to, we didn't want to give you this very difficult film on the spot in a theater with all these people. And I was like, I didn't get an email. I did not get an email to, with a link to the movie. I'm going to have to watch this difficult film in an audience full of people. Uh, so, so, uh, I, uh, began drinking and <laughs> then, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, we, we were watching the movie and the first two things I noticed about the movie right upon it starting was number one. Wow. This movie was shot on a camera. That's real. Oh shit! And no then potatoes here, no. And then two was, oh my god, is that Alex G on the score? I'm gonna fucking shit my pants. <laughs> and uh, and I'm in this movie. Fuck. So uh, so I only made it about halfway through the film before I had to get up and run out of the theater and uh, vomit on the pavement. So, uh, and this is not a, that's not a joke that actually happened. Uh, I, I had a panic attack. Like I've never had in my life over that movie when I saw it. And Jane was so apologetic, like af after the thing, cause I was supposed to do this Q and a, and I was like, sorry, I cannot go back in there. I am freaking out. Um, and so then eventually uh, she found me. I was outside, you know, just like hanging around and uh, being a weirdo. And she was like, uh, I'm sorry, my film upset you. And I was like, it's OK. Um, it, it, and she's like, uh, do you think that the film is bad? Is that w did that sour you? You know, you feeling b reputationally scarred by being in a bad film? And I was like, no, 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 no. The movie's very good. I just like. Oof, is it close to home? Like, oof, is it close to home? And then I remembered, you know, this conversation we had over burgers. And I was like, damn, the movie is in a lot of ways like exactly that conversation we had over burgers. And uh and we talked about it for like a really long time and uh Jane explained, you know, that a lot of the movie is informed by the experiences of people that 
she talked to in working on the film and, and also prior, you know, not to say that I am the sole contributor to the reason that it's like that, but like I, I had one specific story that I told her about one specific person that happened years ago that was really, really weird. And, uh, and that ended up being like, ex- like verbatim what happens in the movie verbatim. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, had to just like, had to just deal with that one. Just had to cope with that, I guess. Um, and I was like, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, you know, I, nobody's going to come asking me questions about this, you know, um, you know, it's an indie film. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) well, yeah. And then she was like, yeah, the movie got picked up by HBO max. And I was just like, I'm going to shit my pants. And so uh, then everyone on earth saw the movie. My family saw the movie. Fucking every friend of mine has seen the movie. And every single one of them is like, are you okay? Like, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, But no, that that movie, um, this movie, the one that we're talking about, it it is like deeply difficult for me. Uh, so this is just worth mentioning right off the bat that this is deeply difficult, but, uh, I am, I am in a place where I totally can talk about it. But, uh, when, like when first I saw this, I was in no position to discuss it at all for like four or five months. Um, but no, and I, I don't blame Jane for that at all. Cause I think, uh, she's a fantastic filmmaker. I think she did a, a great thing and i think that the the film itself is like a story that needs to be told i think it's a it's it's kind of a universal story uh but also it is it is a big big thing uh to to little old me uh so that is beginning to end wall to wall everything about my involvement with the film (laughs) nice well that's like that's yeah that's an incredible story. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, thank you so much for sharing that. And like, absolutely. And this is like, this is the kind of thing we would normally say as kind of sort of like a gag. But genuinely, thank thank you for a la- a sharing this vulnerability with us as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I wasn't doing uh, anything with it. It was just hanging <laughs> out. It was just here, you know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, when y'all when y'all hit me up and were like, we want to do this movie, I was like, ah. <laughs> Well, I am the authority on that, aren't I? Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's party. Um, yeah. It's your Love turn it. to talk now. I, <laughs> I've i talked for uh, like an well, hour now. I do like, I do like the fact that like we, I don't know, like, um, I don't know, like, I mean, you mentioned kind of like this is like you recognize the experience in the, the film, but it's like kind of that is also kind of a microcosm of the film because it's like it is an MMORPG about people essentially engaging in a collaborative act of freaking themselves and others out yeah um and how that's like fun and you know and fun but then not so fun (laughs) right well it it, it's like super super fun unless you personally have experienced it and then it is not fun uh at all (laughs) but like it's so weird how it's like that like it's it's a horror movie 
but I don't know if it scares anyone to death like it scares me. <laughs> like, it might be a horror movie specifically made to scare May. And it, <sighs> it successfully did that. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's such a powerful film and such a chilling film as well. And, and, and you know, like, like we've already intimated, there's a film where, you know, on paper, very, very little happens, you know, and it is just you know, pe- right. people in rooms talking, you know, which is my favourite kind of film. <laughs> and the, but it's, it has such a, a tremendous amount of staying power and it's such a, a disciplined film as well, you know, sort of like the pacing, like it's very... The pacing is very slow, but there's a kind of like relentlessness to that slowness, you know, like like there's like this absolute refusal to make it in any way easy for you by like going a little bit quicker. So like, no, we follow her every step of the way out of the house to right. the, to the barn to get the gun to curl up on the sofa and watch the ASMR video about waking up from a nightmare. You know, like it's mm. it's just like we are just there for every. Every single moment of it, you know, wait, wait, waiting for cuts that don't end up coming. And, you know, because this is like um, and, you know, something we've 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 talked about when it comes to like the uniqueness of Internet horror before is the it is, you know, so like fundamentally it's the fear of seeing something that you won't be able to unsee, you know, is like right. the way that people put, put it right. And that, like, the idea of that sort of, like, you're going to see something that actually you won't be able to get over that you've seen it, you know, it's just going to fuck you up forever having seen it. And there's something about the the slowness and the deliberateness of the film that kind of, like, does that same thing of, like, starting to just get very worried about what it is you're going to to see here because it becomes it's very difficult to ever quite predict where the film's going to go as well like it's 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 a real um sorry that uh no we're fine we're fine fine. fine. we had had not moved the mouse for a while right i understand (laughs) everything went black (laughs) it's uh something reaching out to us right can you wait we, we can't we've lost audio You've lost audio? Can you hear us okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, wait. It... Sorry. Uh, one sec. All good. Uh, it says... Yeah, wait. No, we're back. It, Hello. Uh... Can you hear me? Yeah, it's... Yes, yeah. It switched audio output Um, when... <laughs> when... When, when the computer, computer did the thing, moment. it went. The computer went to sleep because we were so busy talking about the film we forgot to move the mouse. Yeah. Uh, Happens to the best of us. Let me tell you what. Um, yeah. Oh god, completely lost. lost if only we only, but... if only I had some like relentless algorithm to just keep everything in. Motion. Yeah, also, sorry, honestly. I'm, um, I'm just gonna fix something very briefly because, like, please do. Uh, there is a chat that I am. I don't know leave group, but I am gonna pause this conversation for 24 hours because there are like 48 unread messages. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's all kind of like. We've adjusted the the time signature on this like third part of one of oh, the songs very I understand. slightly, and now and, I've, and I've, we have sent your PDF. Uh, we <laughs> have new MIDI files for you. Um, yeah. Well, oh, uh, so okay. briefly back to the film. If we uh-huh. are we are, if we're back on the record. Um, so oh, yeah, no, we, we never left the record. Yeah. Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, so the thing I was gonna yeah, say, um, the the bit in the movie that scares me the most. I mean, beyond the fact that there's people uh, watching... Well, so, as I said, the film is, like, deeply personal to a couple of different aspects of the experience, or at least the experience that I've in, I've experienced myself, um, 
one of those things being that when you're online, anyone and everyone is watching you. And so, you know, at first you're excited because you're like, nobody's watching. I can get away with whatever I want. I can do crazy shit on this website. Uh, but then once you notice that people are actually watching you, then it's very voyeuristic. You're like, oh, no, people are watching me and I don't know who they are and they are always watching and I don't know. And they're analyzing my words and my actions and they're thinking things about me that may or may not be true um, and just making crazy uh, judgments about whatever my my life could be uh and that is uh suffocating in a lot of ways and it's something you like if you continue to be a creator on the internet uh you have to just get over it you know especially if you've ever like gone viral like i i have gone viral a couple times whatever the fuck that means these days but uh whenever that happens it's like well shit now i've got 50,000 new voyeurs you know what i mean <laughs> like all watching me um and and you know you have to get over it it it's a hard part of the experience but um you know if you want to make an omelet or whatever but uh yeah uh-huh. But the the other thing is the the fucking scrolly wheel autoplay. I, I was gonna. I want to. Yeah. I want to choke somebody. I that bit in the movie is so infuriatingly terrifying to me, and maybe that has something to do with my uh, fucked up weird life. Uh, the things that I've been expected to do for work, you know, like watch crazy, terrible shit on the internet. But it's like whenever that autoplay wheel comes up, I'm like, yeah, so next we're going to see people get hacked up with chainsaws for real. You know, that's just my expectation because every time I see an autoplay wheel, I think that's what's coming. I don't know. You know, and it's like the main character, like not the main character, but it's definitely it is the a antagonist in the film. The algorithm. The, the algorithm is the antagonist of the movie. Presence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huge agree. I just get like three particular um relentlessly promoted albums as my um as my like algorithm thing. must it's be like, I... <laughs> must be nice <laughs> yeah, it's always either Molchat doma the plastic love city pop album or that one where it, i don't know it's some sort of experimental thing and there's a picture of a kind of tiger rug um this is this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> a little but, medium <laughs> yeah but i mean it's kind of like um I think we talked about like yeah the horror of the algorithm and the, and the horror of the kind of like being kind of like having something beyond your control kind of like thrust at you through your interaction with like a medium right uh, and like I don't know like I, I can't remember what episode we were talking about this on but like there was that I think it was like a medium post of like there is something wrong on the internet which yeah, is like yeah, kind yeah. of like the the horror of like algorithm like procedurally generated children's entertainment videos which just get really fucked up yeah um, yeah they do spider-man buried alive yeah uh, finger family fun stuff yeah 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 it's like the most fucked thing which <laughs> right um, hot hot and spicy tangent incoming but you know how everybody's really mad about ai right now you know everybody's like ai art is is gonna ruin that <laughs> uh, mad yeah a- ai I'm art like- is is gonna replace us and all that uh dial- i never dialogue. signed up to look yeah <laughs> Well, well, my my argument is that uh, like a, a, it's my argument, and I'm I'm okay with getting uh, attacked for this, I guess. But um, I I think that AI art is nuanced because yes, 
it can be used for evil. And that sucks about it. But also, you can make a man, uh, an image of a man made entirely out of ball sacks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is a nightmare beyond human comprehension. <laughs> I think a lot of the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, and I, I'm saying this, you know, just in terms of like the pure, just like aesthetics, because like you know, conversations about like what what AI means for labor and so on is like sure, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different conversation. And like exactly, I, I, so, I like I'm basically copyright, and I am ever so slightly scared of Chat G, G, GPT taking my job. But anyway, I think a lot of the like the initial like disgust and revulsion and like horror at AI art was came from the fact that like the people doing it initially which it was just making the lamest shit you've ever seen it was exactly like, and endless variations of sort of like there was one picture in particular that really stuck with me because like the caption was people say and people say that uh AI art has no soul and it's just like an astronaut like looking up into space with like a single tear going down their face <laughs> right exactly fuck just off, fuck just... off fuck off this is gay the problem shit. is the person <laughs> programming it is a terrible artist uh, yeah. <laughs> but if i'm doing like... it i'm making a dog made entirely of chicken wings <laughs> like yeah I, I don't know if she's listening to this but my friend Cass from work is a graphic designer and a trans woman as well sort of like is really interested in has been doing really interesting stuff with AIR on yeah. on on her own like she's producing really really cool stuff uh, yeah so yeah. you can do it it's just like you have to be you just have to be cool exactly I think, I think people need to do more fake AI art because it's like I know, I, fake I, I AI art is amazing it. yeah it's, it's like it, everything now looks like that image of that was like I don't think that was even AI. It was like an image that is designed to simulate having a stroke, where it's like a a plethora of objects, but it's like name one thing in this picture, right? And it's like things that you you you, you train your eye on one particular bit. It's like oh yeah, that's clearly a ah uh, ah, uh. and it's like something looks a bit like an animal mask, something looks a bit like those things that you use right. to display earrings. But like nothing yeah. actually quite. But once you turn your eye to look at it, it just like the image kind of just like it's not an optical illusion, but it's just so sort of, like you lose the thread you thought you had discovered that made it made sense. It was like very upsetting. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm just, yeah. I'm the, just gonna t- I come off audio for a minute because I need to grab these. Where? Oh fuck! I need to get more drinks. I've got the ghost <laughs> of a headache emerging, and, and we oh, have no. to keep drinking to make it go away. Do, yeah. do it. It's go true. I understand. Um. Okay. Um, <laughs> Early, <laughs> earlier in the day, we, me and Luce were sort of like walking down the corridor of a yeah. flat here, and we were saying to ourselves, sort of like, we'll get, we'll get some beers in, but we have to make sure we don't have too many because then, you know, we'll feel, you know, we'll feel rough by the end of the day. So, oh, we won't right. have too many. And then one of Lucy's flatmates said, sort of, like, I heard that conversation. You know, that is the conversation that means you are going to have too many beers, right? As, as indeed it appears, Lucy may have done. So there we go. <laughs> That is uh, that is our destiny, uh, to have yeah. too many beers. Uh, I just got back from L.A. like two days ago, and I was wasted. Um, <laughs> L.A. is the town to get wasted in, apparently. Um, Hello. Yeah. But, uh, my, sir- um, my housemates in the kitchen remarked that it's like, you've got that podcasting look in your eye. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Where did the other two go? We I put them back in the fridge. I thought we could save them for dinner afterwards. Correct. Yes. I, yes. Just, I, just, like, I was just Fair. worried because like, stuff. What are we going to do? Exercise restraints. <laughs> Come on. Podcasters. Well, uh, yeah. So, so completing the AI conversation, 
where He's the fuck fine. else am I supposed to get a low resolution image of Grimace robbing a liquor store? You know what I mean? <laughs> where where else am I supposed to get get images of very hyper realistic Homer Simpson being flayed alive? You know, very hard to very hard to make that image. Uh, but Queen Elizabeth the <laughs> second. On trial at Nuremberg. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have, I've, also, I've seen some like people doing some actually like quite cool looking stuff, but sort of like, um, like Warhammer Forty Thousand. If it was like a grim, dark eighty sci fi film, I've seen that. Sort of, like, like, That's amazing. I just, I know, so, oh fuck! Wow. Like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know, like, me and my girlfriend just challenge each other constantly to make the worst imaginable AI image, and uh, we we both always win, because it's always hilarious. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, the one thing that AI does really, really good that no one's talking about in a positive light is the fact that no matter what you put into it, it will fuck up the amount of fingers that are supposed to be on a hand, like 100% of the time. So like, and it kind of gives it almost like a dreamlike feeling that, doesn't it? It the does. Like, yeah. Yeah, auto David Lynch. Um, but yeah, so so we're just like, well, how many fucking fingers can we get on a hand? So, you know, we'll just be like hand covered in way too many fingers and just keep running it until we get one that's got like 50 fucking fingers coming out of a hand. And then we're like, we have made it. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I, I think... Uh, I I think the the AI replacing other people's art thing sucks and uh you know like especially people that have like a thing that they've built over the course of time but where else am I supposed to find you know an image of Ronald McDonald as a serial killer you know so uh I got to I got to kind of accept the nuance <laughs> Yes, I think I think there's a reasonably nuanced position to take on the subject. But yeah, like because the thing is, like, like I said, you know, if if you ha if you put, I mean, look, if you put bullshit into it, you'll get bullshit. But you know, if you exactly. have like, even if it's something as like, you know, f something as simple as too many fingers, like you've already yeah. pushed us into interesting territory that way. And yeah, it's yeah. I'm so almost back. I just need to take some preemptive paracetamol. <laughs> I understand. So I um. I'm kind of wondering if I go back. It's okay. Um, if I go back in my history, how if I've got any incredible night? Well, that's the thing too. The AI thing. It's a it's a nightmare machine for me. You know, like they handed me keys to the nightmare machine. Holy shit! That's great. That's great for me. I can make all the nightmares I want. Um, I've got some cold tea if you want. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Let's see here. Because we are, we, because we are English, we do literally have like two cups of like tea on the desk. <laughs> oh, of course. A bunch of tens. <laughs> Completely understand. Um, there's, I, before we proceed, I have got to find this fucking incredible thing I have on on my phone. <laughs> And then we can continue. <laughs> May's finding the the most horrible AI art. Nice. I I have made the worst AI art that you will ever see in your whole life. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, 
Um, if only I could find it. It was sent to me a hot minute ago. I'm going to find this. And then we're all going to laugh for about two <laughs> seconds. And then we're going to move on. Okay, I'm going to roll a cigarette. Oh, fuck yeah. I would love one right now, to tell you the truth. Uh, the crisps are over there. Oh, that's that too yeah. far away. Well, no, we won't eat crisps. Uh, okay, wait, no, I know where the filters are. I miss when my hair was, like, blonde. I need to go back to blonde. I fucked with that hardcore. Um, where in the fuck are my good images at? <laughs> I've been looking at a static image of um of Casey's face with the fucking Lima make. What is it like? The dressing as dressing as a Lima, uh, or something. I don't know, but it's like the glow-in-the-dark face paint with the eye being held up because that's the image Very of the tweet that I've not yet closed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just we just can't look away. Oh dear God. Okay, well, <clears throat> I have an image of it, um, but it is in the background of something that cannot be seen by the viewing public. But. Uh, okay. But I don't this think audio I don't. Cool. Yeah, I think it's an audio medium, so I think we're okay. Um. All right. Get ready for this. Yes. We made a man out of ball sacks. Oh. 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 Yeah. There's a mouth and eyes and. Oh. Oh, that's. That is. That if is this so dog good. needed is, you, would you? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not, I'm not happy for having seen those. <laughs> <laughs> Look for that in the next uh, spicy music video that someone releases that has nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> um, okay, just like to steer this back, like, who, some. I yeah, we were talking like, about looking, something. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just like, this is a slight tangent, but who did the artwork on your like, latest uh, music release album? thing because like I you mean just, like, uh, i think i just recognize the style around you mean it's neopets and the, ne sorry? neopets the, the yeah. red album uh yeah yeah uh, cryptid pod did that nice yo do you want to see cool. my uh my new 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 art no one's seen it yet i should show you Ooh, yes please um we're already just fucking around so you know now is oh yeah i'm in no way concerned about this um so this is the this is the cover for the new record that comes oh, out hey. on the eleventh. Yeah, um, very good. Uh, we we were like, let's make it look as much like shit as possible. We we took the we took all of the press picks for my new album release with this. It is a Nikon Cool Picks that I got at a pawn shop for eight dollars U.S. Nice. So it sucks. Um, so that's been the that's been the big energy lately. I think I still have one of those, like, or some, you know, a kind of uh, early to mid two thousands Nikon, like that I've just never seemed to getting rid of. They're uh, incredible. <laughs> they the, nothing looks like that. Like nothing looks like that. I have an iPhone and I shoot a lot of stuff with my iPhone for like work, but not anymore. 
Now, anyway. So, anyway. So, I have, I have a point where we can, like, like bring us back a little bit, at least. Okay, yeah. let's yeah. go. And I, I, have, I have directions we can go. This is great. <laughs> this, is, this is going good. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say, but, like, just to, as a, just like a testament to sort of, like, how good a film this is. And, yeah. Um, and, like, if we're talking, like, something that we mentioned um, in the episode that we recorded earlier today about the Dash Cameron last broadcast is that, uh, like... Actually, well, actually, specifically, we, we this is a remark Lucy made about Blair Witch Project. That, that Blair Witch is something that, like, you can believe that, uh, you can believe it happened, so to speak, because it is presented very like hyper real as right. a, uh, as as you know, just sort of like it could actually be a VHS someone found, you know, which which you can't do with like dash cam or last broadcast because those are yeah. more knowingly put together as films right right but uh, in terms of like i honestly when i started watching this i was convinced that there was such an internet phenomena phenomenon as the world's fair that like this filmmaker had picked up on as part uh, and, and incorporated into her into into her film because it was just done so well like these like there's a bit the stuff from like the other youtubers and stuff like that like making stuff around it i was convinced that like oh this must actually be like a whole thing i just haven't heard of that has been like incorporated into the film and like that is wrong right like because it feels so like it is just made completely made up for the film right right it's yeah everything was created for the film uh all the youtube content was created for the film yeah because yeah. I went looking for it, like I did act because like, this is amazing. Like, like is this? Can I? Can I play? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But it is kind of like I, I guess this might be getting onto like one of the things I wanted to discuss with like you know the creepy pasta connection, right? And that like it is thematically similar to a lot of things, and it's kind of like you know it's it's riffing on like this is a version of these particular things in the same right. way. Um, I insisted multiple times that. The film, the last broadcast, was basically proboscis Luke with more bits. Um, <laughs> it's um, this isn't where I, I I have too much proboscis Luke in my life. <laughs> too much like fucked Star Wars. Um, I understand in my brain at any given time, but um, yeah, like it's like I guess one of the closest things is like the Momo challenge, which we I think we talked about like ages we ago. Did, yes, um, because I like, yes. became like fixated on the just the image of Momo, and it's like that was like that was pretty heavily just like fictionalized by like you know the popular you know, the, the, the trash mainstream me- not even the mainstream media just like just weird trash internet news yeah yeah and it was kind of like it was kind of weird because it's like we're looking at things that are sort of like i don't know it's it's a new creepypasta is kind of like an older manifestation of something because it's i don't know it's like Actually, no, I think, yeah, Creepypasta is, like, the, the thing to connect it to because it, like, always did have that participatory element. I mean, we talk about, like, the the origins of Slenderman being um, something that was, um, was like, consciously a competition to do a thing. Uh, right. To, like, make up a cryptid. And then, um, then it, you know, it won, a comp- it won this prize of, like, you've come up with the, the most unsettling cryptid. And then that spa- sparked a whole lore that eventually manifested in, like, the the goddamn trash Slenderman film, but also manifested in, like, a murder by some, like, proofy person girls of one of well, their attempted peers. attempted murder, yeah. Attempted murder, yeah. Well, um, you know, and, like, we live in a post-that society, and we don't realize it. Like, we live in a we live in a post... Some people thought Slenderman was real, so they tried to murder their friend world. And, <laughs> like, that in and of itself is, like, it's a... It's a 
it's a weird blend between fantasy and reality that I don't think a lot of people are aware is such a serious, like it has serious ramifications for the way that we personally interact with the internet too. Because like, while we can say to ourselves, okay, clearly I know that this is not real life. Um, what is the difference? Mm. You know, it, the same is true for film, right? Where film can be uh, not true, the events can be not true, but the themes are usually relevant. Mm. So, like, if the same is true for the hyperreal and the same is true for vlogging and the same is true for internet horror, then, I don't know, we might be fucked. <laughs> like, that might be dangerous <laughs> for us. Uh, it, yeah. We don't know what's bad for our brains until we have already hurt our brains. It's kind of like you don't know you broke your arm until after you broke your arm. Like, you know, I feel like this is something I've been arguing on the Internet for a long time at this point is like, um, you know, a lot of people are like gore videos. But then you like watch a bunch of them and then you're like, why can't I stop thinking about this? You know, and then you're like, oh, because it's bad for me, you know, but you don't realize that until after you've done it, you know. It, remi yeah. it reminds me, I remember seeing I remember seeing a tweet a while, like a, a while back, which is always like the beginning of like the lamest point or whatever. Like, <laughs> There's something someone tweeted last year, which was basically some, like, they said like, um, it's weird, like for a very long time, but like the mainstream sort of like correct progressive liberal opinion to have was that the media and culture people consumed has no effect on their view on the world or how they behave, which was because that was the whole thing. And like, I remember like in the 2000s about sort of like, do violent video games make you violent? And because that was, you know, like that was a moral crusade that was picked up by like the Christian evangelical right and so on, you know, that we, yeah. and it became framed as like a freedom of speech thing. And people say, no, these like, it's, you know, it, you know it's, and although you know it's not true that playing Grand Theft Auto will make you steal cars, you know, but, you know, obviously that's not true. But like, it's it's very odd that for like for a long time, like there was that view that like, oh no, it like it can't, you know, it doesn't do things to you to like consume a certain amount of media in like a huge amount of way, you know, like in a huge way, which is just like that's nonsense though. Like, it, obviously it does. You know, obviously our worlds you know you know the inside of our heads what we think about how we perceive things what we believe how we interpret the world around us of course that's affected by the culture and the medium media that we consume like of course it is it has to be we're always responding to what we believe to be the grand narrative everyone is so whatever it is that you identify and call the grand narrative to yourself is the thing that you will base your entire life dealing with so like if let's say you're trans uh i know crazy um let's say you're let's say you're trans and the only thing you ever interact with is like turfs on twitter and you're just always interacting with turfs and you're always responding to them and you're super mad at them all the time well whenever you see a stranger there's a non-zero percent chance in your brain that that person is one of those people and they're, you're going to react to that person accordingly. So then over the course of time, you start to think, well, shit, maybe I shouldn't interact with people because there's a non-zero percent chance that they have the views that these assholes online have. And then over the course of time, you find yourself, you know, more and more internal staying inside and not doing things with friends and not communicating with 
you know, people that you're close to. And then when you're home and you're alone, you just go back to interacting with those same people. So it just creates this like feedback loop. So this becomes your like grand narrative. And then two years of your life go by and you're like, why am I paranoid? I wonder. I, um, so I've got like two things that kind of like that, that is quite pertinent to, um, yeah. I think I'll save like the, the, the one, the, the one about like the, the concept of like being online or growing up online to right. second, but like the thing that struck me most about the film I found was that there's always a kind of like, yeah, Sean is moving the cursor. Is it just Thank to make you, sure? You can, you can, let's put this in the middle so we can both like participate in the there action of moving the cursor occasionally. Thank you. Um, but yeah, basically, um, like one of the yeah, uh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, I lost my train of thought. Wait, so like yeah, the the kind of like paper thin line between kind of like disconnectedness versus uncomfortable intimacy. Is um is something that like the the is a phenomenon of the internet and something that um that feels like kind of especially pertinent to this film and like what I what I mean by that in the context of this film is the fact that like we're seeing like with you know we're looking at like it's established in the context of the film that the the World's Fair is at least a kind of like moderately popular phenomenon. And that, right. like in enough of a kind of subculture is generated around it that it's not it's niche but it's not hyper niche and there's you know yeah. fairly like pro relative semi kind of like pro looking kind of like attempts at making trailers for like what a world's fair film would look like right and you know, there's like um there's like a culture of like of creating that and um but it's like. I guess to go back to Slenderman, it's like we we know we all know about Slenderman, but we don't know about like kind of the people who have um, in the intervening time between um, between you know something rotten or whatever it came out of and yeah. the um, the kind of like media sensation of like the murders and stuff is the fact that like there are these like sub layers, these kind of like new kind of like obscurities created in that like you know. Um, someone, you know, Marble Hornets is the top of the iceberg, and then much lower le- levels of the iceberg are people who know the names of famous operators, like people who are supposedly famous in the lore as being major players in the kind of like sl- extended mythos that no one will ever hear about outside. That I that will admit that I know about because um, I know of only through Henry Zabrowski's reading, like in. Attempt various attempts to insert Slenderman erotica into their like creepypasta reading <laughs> episodes. Uh, there's like, oh yeah, Ben, he's like a really famous operator, or there's someone called Peanut Butter Bitch who you <laughs> you assume it's assumed you'll know about them. But um, I guess like what where I was going with that just pivot to Slenderman erotica was the is the <laughs> idea that um, it's like you're kind of like when you're online, you're kind of like pres- presume you know for all intents and purposes participating in a thing that has a mass audience but you're not necessarily even if you have a mass audience there's still like people who have an uncomfortable proximity to you as you know as as close a proximity to you as someone who's in a fairly kind of isolated and you know low-key um space where it's not going to be picked up on that you know someone some freak contacted you and stuff because it's like but then again, it's all—it's always. Am I making sense? I don't know. Um, it's always there, but like the the scope for like you're very close, even if like 
you're participating in something that feels like it's one-sided. And I just think, right. I just, I just think it's pretty wild, like, how the film plays with that. Because, I mean, we were talking earlier about, like, what felt scariest, um, about, you know, the scariest thing about the film personally. And in my, in my case, uh, the scene is, like, we, we were, that scene where, uh, Casey goes through, gets, goes into the barn or whatever it is, looks at the gun and then just sits down to watch some ASMR to try and fall asleep. And then the algorithm goes to a video that's directed straight at her and has her face there. And it's like, you know, it's this kind of like impersonal thing of just everyone just fucking around in a mass thing. But then suddenly the void reaches out to you specifically, not to like, not to communicate to all the other players that this interaction is happening to you as you know, a person, as Casey, and they now have the image of your face, which they they have saved to their hard drive and are fucking around with. And yeah. I don't know, yeah. And I think that like that's up sets up very nicely for like the other big scary thing about the film is the fact that like people well, it's it depicts very closely the act of how people like alter their offline life as kind of um as kind of just like a creative act to put themselves in the headspace of the character they, they're going to go play online. It's like the bit with the gun. She mentions it, like, in one of the later videos, but doesn't talk about, you know, having access to a gun and doesn't ever show the gun on screen that we know of. Um, but it's just kind of like, I'm going to go handle a weapon. I'm going to go handle something with lethal force and just kind of, like, feel the energy and then just, like, use that as a sort of unspoken background presence in what I'm doing and like get and use and like I don't know make bringing something uncomfortably deep into your headspace a necessary part of the process right um yeah well and to bounce off that I think I think the film is largely about how we want to borrow narratives like uh how, how people want to borrow narratives like the two characters in the story you know, Casey is looking at the uh, the world at large and the internet, only seeing a very specific subsect of it, and then is curating her personality based on the expectations of a community that she does not personally know. She's looking at that as a narrative that she would like to borrow. You know, because it's more interesting than the one where she doesn't talk to her dad. She lives, you know, the only landmark in her city is is the Best Buy, you know, and uh, she's just got nothing to do, nowhere to go, no real purpose. Like she doesn't feel like she has a purpose. So she instills herself with this purpose that is completely fabricated based on a, a fantasy life that someone else is also engaging with in a in a fantasy narrative sense so it's just like narratives on narratives and then the other character is looking at her and seeing her as like more or less a believer like someone that they've like you've heard the term on the internet true believer it's just somebody who sees a narrative and is like yes that's real you know and so when you are in the know about how fake something is and everybody else is in the know about like how something is like, or they think that something is real, uh, that person is luring because you're like, shit, I wish I could go back to the time where I thought shit like this was real, you know? And I, it's an innocent thing. 
and yeah. and so like her calling him a pedophile at the end of the film i think is it, it exists on two levels on one level it's like yeah why are you creeping on me on the internet and obsessed with me over the course of all this time a and b um like why are you obsessed with my innocence that's really weird to be obsessed with my innocence in specific, but he wants to adopt that innocence. Like that's something that he wishes he had in his life. Um, yeah. So they, they're ultimately trying to borrow each other's narratives, uh, which is, a, which is a horror. Um, for yeah. sure. It's fucking terrifying, especially like, yeah, like I think it was only on the second viewing that, like, I realized, like, yeah, technically he's being depicted as someone who's, like, an interview subject who's, like, kind of exercising some kind of narrative authority in this context. But, like, yeah, we don't actually know if the whole New York thing happened or if it even looked no. like that. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there was a couple of kind of, like, directions I wanted to go in with that with that particular angle, but, um, I don't know, I think, um, well, I don't know, like, one of the things, actually, I, I liked about the film is the fact that, um, the ending, in terms of, like, the fate of Casey, at least, is one of the things that's almost kind of, like, mixed, because, um, they both end up in a kind of, like, assisted care, like, mental health facility for a bit, and then they become a theatre student in New York. And it's kind of like, at the same, you know, so you have a kind of like dual narrative of someone who's simultaneously having the worst experience of their life and going insane in isolation, uh, hyperfixating on a really dark and unpleasant thing that they've become kind of obsessed with. Um, but at the same time, we're watching the, the un you know, the positive spin is like, oh, but actually we're also seeing the birth of a very promising experimental filmmaker who's just exactly. who's engaged in like a hard level of like method acting and it's like yes she's suffering for art um but also she's suffering for art <laughs> um, <laughs> right so, well is, and it, yeah. it's almost objective right um it's just like kind of uh, i hate the things in in the world that are just like well that's just the way it is but that is just the way it is. <laughs> like all of the things she goes through are these realities that you have to get over if you want to live a life based on art. Um, yeah. And you know, it sucks. It, it hurts to see that happen to somebody, but at the same time, like, well, how the fuck else are they going to get in there? They got to like toughen up through all this stuff that is ridiculous that people shouldn't have to deal with, but do. Um, and like, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I, I was know, going like, with that. Continue. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like kind of like, I just feel like that's, that's a condition where kind of like irony poisoning becomes a kind of like survival tool. And like, yeah, did some, did participated in things that were fucked up. And it's like, but I, you know, maintain this kind of like detachment from it. Well, like, yeah, in hindsight to kind of like cover over for like what my involvement was. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Yeah. Well, have you seen the film uh, Lost Highway? Sure yes. you oh, surely you oh, have. Yeah. We've, we, we've covered it. We've done we, we've done it on the podcast actually. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Dope. Um well so uh my headcanon is not even a headcanon. I'm pretty sure this is just objectively what the film is about. But uh that movie is about how Trent Reznor doesn't like it when people uh see his face in images 
really weirds him out. He he personally he doesn't like it. So um, David Lynch was friends with Trent Reznor and was like, "Haha, it's weird that you're like that," and uh, decided to make a movie about that where where basically Trent Reznor goes, "Damn, I sure wish I could borrow someone else's life so that I wouldn't have to deal with this aspect of being myself." Uh, and then does so, uh, but there's also the caveat that for some reason he uh, murders a woman. But other than that, <laughs> I think that's I think that's pretty sound. I I think that uh, the whole concept of like borrowing somebody else's narrative is a common thing in in movies about actors or performers in any sort of way because. You know, there's always there's the meme of like every movie that's about actors is always about how the actor wants to become their character for real life. They don't want to go back to being themselves. Um, but I think the the same is equally adversely true, which is that when you perform and you play a role, sometimes you can't figure out how to get out of it and go back to being yourself. And then, yeah. like, at that point, you're like, shit, now I just am this character. Damn it. You know? And then that becomes, like, your whole fucking life. You know? Yeah. And so it's, it's like, very, very difficult to manage between, like, what people think you are and what you actually are. It's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And I think kind of, like, that brings up kind of, like, one of... Like, the other thing that, like, the most, what I found, like, the most painful to witness moment of the film, which is, is that, um, is that bit where, um, I I forget the name of the guy, you know, the older guy who's, like, JLB. JLB. Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Mm. Um, yeah, so basically, the the interaction between JLB and uh, Casey, which is, like, that, Real, well, when he brings up the thing, it's like, you, you do know this is, like, a game, right? And then it kind of, like, flags up just, like, how much this web of, like, playing around and, and, you know, like, this irresponsible psychological experiment that they're doing on themselves has, like, actively damned them into, like, having to... I don't think they, they're put in a position of needing to explain something that they realise, like, um... Well, by kind of explaining or trying, yeah, like the impossibility of breaking character, because if they break character, then they've put themselves in a position where they were, uh, if, where they were technically doing something grossly irresponsible and dangerous and creepy. And, um, so to bounce off of that, have you seen Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal at all? I've not, no. Okay, so I'll sum it. Real quick, without spoiling anything, uh, because I know this is a big deal for everybody right now. But (laughs) so the bit with the show is that he, uh, Nathan Fielder, is like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know the guy, yeah, 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 yeah. you know the guy. Well, so his bit in the show is that he's like, I have these difficult conversations with people all the time, and I don't like how unprepared I am for these difficult conversations. So. What if I hired actors to play those people, got them in a space that looked exactly like the space that they live in, and then rehearse the conversation like a hundred times until I figured out a flow chart of every possible way the conversation could go, 
and I objectively choose the correct uh, conversational strategy for every conversation ever. <laughs> and so at first, it's just this meta level of him being like, you know why I'm so good at, at being social? It's because I've rehearsed this a hundred times with a crew <laughs> of actors. But then it gets to a point where he's interacting with the actors for certain reasons. And he's like, damn, directing these actors is hard. I should hire somebody to pretend to be the actor for this real person, like this real person analog. Um, I should hire another actor so I can rehearse directing the actor to be the person. And then at some point he starts having a weird relationship with the person he hired to do that. And he's like, damn, it would be amazing if I could hire an actor to rehearse that conversation. So it becomes this like web of lies. <laughs> like it becomes this unbelievable web of lies. Uh, that that calls into question, in my opinion, the concept of acting as a as a tool for self abuse. Like you know, you can't be prepared for for a lot of things in life. So the desire to prepare yourself for these things is uh, based almost solely on the exploitation of people like other people's narratives, like having the, having people pretend to be other people is psychologically damaging in some microcosmic way. Uh, and the more you tack that on to somebody, the less you realize whether or not you are in character. And so if everybody's in character, then no one's in character. And it's just like that. And then you're just like stuck in a place where you're like, shit, I've, ruined my life like you know like and that is that is the show and like that that in my mind is like the most recent aspect of this but there's there's this moment in the show very specifically where um all of the things i just said continue to happen they all happen and um and he realizes in a moment he breaks character like nathan fielder who's on who knows how many layers of irony um, breaks. He breaks character in the show and becomes Nathan Fielder, the person and not the character on the show and goes, Oh shit. The show I'm making just really fucked someone's life up. Like they're fucked for life because of a, a decision I made for my HBO TV show. That was this crazy idea. And then he spends like significant time just dwelling on it because it's like really bad. Like it's really, really bad what happens to this person. And um, that is like every director's fucking nightmare. And most directors don't realize that when they shove somebody into a narrative role, they may never get out. And then what do you do? You know, what do you tell that person when there's yeah. personal stake at it, you know? And so I think that the the World's Fair comparison is like that conversation where they talk about whether or not they're in character. Um, you know, this is a game, right? They both do and don't know that they're in a game because like while simultaneously they do comprehend the concept that they are playing some sort of weird MMO game and that all of it is fake, the the way that they've built their life around the performance itself has 
has basically dissolved their connection between fantasy them and reality them to the point where they don't know which is which. And so they they are that person. Like Casey, by the end of the movie, is that person, regardless of whether or not she wants to be. Um, because it just, like, the role was given to her. She accepted it. She performed it well enough that she forgot the way out. It's yeah. the, uh, the, the classic, like, Alex Jones conundrum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You become well, liable for significant like defamation and legal issues. Right, also, and then Yeah. And in his brain he's just memeing. But he doesn't realize that like he isn't Alex Jones anymore. You know, now he's Alex Jones. It's and like he may or may not see his children again. And <laughs> and honestly, yeah. does he need to? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think anyone needs to see Alex Jones. <laughs> I don't think anyone needs to see their children. I know I don't. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the motto of Weird Signal. No one needs to see their children. <laughs> um Yeah, fuck. Well, where do we want to go with this now? Like, we've got We've got uh, a lot of material. We, we've, I, we've talked about a lot so far. I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know, well, maybe this is a throwaway point. Maybe it may lead to things. But, like, um, one of the things that I liked about this is the fact that, like, you know, we talk about the internet. We talk about kind of, like, the hyper-connectivity of the Global Village and Marshall McLuhan and all that shit. And, yeah. and how, like, um, it's the compression of time and space. But, um, yeah, and they're, like, shifting away from, like, kind of the human dimension. It's, like... It's interesting how much, like, space, you know, this is a kind of, like, reaffirmation of exact, of how much geographic space has implications for the online world, because it's, like, you know, a large amount of the film is, and indeed, you know, both the substance of what they're putting online and, you know, what they experience offline is them, is, it's just, like, intimately tied to the, the, how shit their town is. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just, like... Just like wow, damn, damn, these Christmas decorations suck. And <laughs> right. Like, look at these, like, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like kind of it does kind of go into a weird sort of like psychogeography of like Middle America. Well, actually, wait, what state does it take place in? Um, it seems it a- seems very like um, upstate, like New York they kind s- of vibes to me. Case she she says like Springfield, and that's kind of interesting because it's like you know. There's a Springfield okay. in every state. That's why Springfield in The Simpsons is called Springfield. Right, exactly, because um, there's so, so many of those. Yeah. Well, and it's I, kind of wild. I think the uh, I think the mixture of one could call it late capitalist, probably, um, but I would rather I think call it post capitalist. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, the the human desire as it was uh, commissioned you know, sort of a hundred years ago for the country that I'm living in is that shopping is the best thing ever. Like shopping and buying things is fantastic and you have to do it. And it's so much fun and you should earn money so that you can go shopping and you got to go shopping. Shopping's great. But what happens when the, when the universal desire across the entire country shifts from shopping is great and we should do it to shopping sucks and i hate going out 
because everything is shopping. Like everything is shopping and I don't either a, I don't have money or B what the fuck is there to even buy? I don't want anything. So like at that point, you know, I think, I think we should call that post-capitalist because like the, the desire has dried up like completely, you know? So anything, anything that was the buy-in for an American, you know, where the American would be like, okay, capitalism sucks. I got to pay rent. I got to fucking pay a doctor to wipe my ass. Like that sucks. But, um, but I'm okay buying in because I can go get a cool motorcycle. You know what I mean? Like that's the way that people approached it for the longest time. And now we're in this place where only the bad stuff remains. There is no, there is no buy-in. There's no thing that anybody wants to do, you know, which is, I I think it's always been bad. I'm not necessarily saying that it, it got bad at some point, but I'm saying that the culture of America has, has opened their eyes to the fact that it's bad. Like we have all unanimously decided that there's no benefit to going outside and buying anything with money because there's nothing to want to own. And so like the, the concept of owning things goes out the window and then what the fuck do you do? Well, you grab the shit that you have on your desk and you make a jokey joke on the internet with it. (laughs) And, and then you're thinking, okay, well, no one on earth is like me because this is all extremely isolating. This, I don't want to go shopping thing is extremely isolating. So people are like, I'm the only one on in the world that doesn't like going shopping. And not only am I the only one, but also I uh, am the only person sitting at this desk. I'm the only person in this house. And I'm the only person interacting with this weird internet subculture that I make jokey jokes for. But then you realize the nightmare is that literally, and no one realizes this until it's too late, that literally every American citizen is doing this and is feeling that same exact way and then your little jokey joke becomes your life the little jokey joke you did becomes everything like it just it it ends up building walls around you where it's like well now not only do i not want to go out and go shopping but now i don't want to go online and deal with that shit so what do i do now and yeah. it's just the entire concept of community or uh, I don't even know what the word would be, but like some kind of connectivity, disisolation, yeah. it's gone. Like there isn't really any connectivity anymore at all. Like yeah. it's it's all exploitative. Like any I, connectivity yeah. is exploitative now. I wanted to kind of like, yeah, there was something I kind of wanted to jump up with you know, to to kind of use that as the setup for actually, which is like kind of like, uh, in terms of like, we're thinking about, well, I don't, I think we might have already mentioned this, but like kind of like technically the, the season we're doing of Weird Signals season four, uh, which is a kind of like fairly uh, arbitrary attachment because it's just like, we, we make gap. It's, we yeah, call it seasons, season but really it's like the times, that we're, explain it the times that we're not having an extended hiatus because it's all a bit much. But yeah, I um, basically like, yeah, like, 
one of the one of the significant things about like the the particularly yeah so yeah so the theme of this season is like fucked americana and like like what is distinctively like unsettling about the american geography of like what we're witnessing here uh and we've made kind of like you know um in in our kind of like dash cam thing we we did an extensive kind of like juxtaposition of like fucked americana versus cast britain right um but one of the one of the things you mentioned about you know like the the sort of the space that capitalism creates and like you know the skeleton of like a former cap a former kind of like vision of capitalism that you're now living within um is like how it altered the space and the consequences of that because it's like one of the one of the things that's like very weird about like american towns which you kind of get sometimes in the uk with like offshoots like i don't know milton Keynes or something um sure is is the fact that like um there's a kind of a much more organic quality to like old world um cities and, and towns and things or at least you know the majority of them in that like you know they grew up around a river they grew up in a place where there were like resources that like uh, provided all the necessary conditions for like a settlement and then that settlement modernized and evolved from there but 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 like kind of what's distinct about like uh, a lot of american cities is the fact that like um they the majority uh, you know an extensive part of its history has been um and and you know the the, the expansion of the state and things has been uh in a period when there were cars and motorized vehicles and so like towns could exist for like a singular purpose and are connected up by um by highways and things but also they were because they were developed with access to this technology it means that uh anywhere that you are able to go well you're only really able to go places by car so it's, and if you don't have that say if you're an isolated teenager who's obsessed with an morpg on the internet you don't have access to that and so you just have to kind of like walk around like a, a big like structure that has no kind of pertinence to you and yeah i don't know i i, I feel like that you know that is the kind of like the psychogeography of this film that like i i feel like is almost as significant a part as like its counter like online thing um but Certainly. yeah i don't know uh, also um this is like some the film in you know as tangent to this connected to a Uniquely, what I thought up until watching this was a uniquely British phenomenon of disappointing Christmas villages. Um, in that, like, we have, like, a kind of annual thing of, like, someone has created a Christmas village where they've set up a bunch of shit, dressed some, like, underpaid, like, actors as elves, and you go there to be disappointed because it's, like, it exists for no reason other than to kind of, like, sell things on the basis of it being Christmas and... There's a kind of annual tradition of like finding the weirdest and most cursed examples of this, and yeah, we get we get we get we get a, a heavy dose of that in um, in this film in that we have um, shitty Christmas decorations, and I think that's like in one of the, like the outtakes bits. There's like you go into the tunnel of pic pixels, and like Casey films themselves going into the tunnel of pixels. This thing that only exists for people to exist for it to be Christmas around them. And I don't know. I just like I quite liked that. I th I felt that was like added a, a nice kind of frisson of fucked. Um, and it's true. Like, I mean, like yeah. I used to live in a place that was like mm, I'm gonna call it ten minutes away from uh, 
this place called Grapevine, Texas. And in Grapevine, Texas, they're known for one thing, and that is Christmas Village. Uh, you go there to hate yourself and uh, to contemplate hanging yourself when you get home. It's a really shitty place. Uh, and every fucking place I've ever lived, no matter where in the country I am, everybody's like, yeah, we got one of those. It's like 10 minutes away. <laughs> so what the fuck is that? You know, it's like everybody has, well, and, and and so the question becomes like, why do people do that if everybody fucking hates it so much? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it simply, it's something to do. And also people need to make money for some reason. Like, yeah. like th- I mean, I understand the concept of needing to make money to pay rent. I Lord knows I, I do that. Um, but, like, why? Why? <laughs> why? Like, there, there are so many ways to make money. Like, there are so many ways. Why build a, a Christmas facade village to trick people into buying little figurines of nutcrackers that no one cracks nuts. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, why Why on earth do we have that? Um, and I mean, it's like that everywhere. You nuts, but it's a purely kind of arbitrary activity. I feel like... like uh, You'd have a harder time yeah. finding a bag of nuts that needed cracking in this country than you would a tiny nutcracker figurine. I'm telling you. Like, it's uh, impossible to find just nuts. Like, just, like, simple things have complete like they it my point is it's lost its purpose for for decades and it, but remaining the concept of it being tradition we still do it uh and i don't know why no mm. um i feel like we should like because we're, we're running at like hour and a half we should like move towards kind of like closing movements Aye. yeah uh is there an, i'm just seeing if there's anything else i kind of like wanted to flag of like I think that's all. I think it's like the last point I have on my kind of agenda thing is just like cycle back to um, did we answer the question of like why is creepypasta trans? We did I, not, and, okay. I, and I demand not. Okay, well, I mean, my my answer. I'm wanting to say the common currency is autism, but I'm just speaking for myself <laughs> in this um, in this case. Certainly. If you yeah. if you want my take on that, the reason that I think creepypasta is trans is because we are obsessed with stories as a culture, and we want our stories to be ones where we control them, and we want to be a main character that we want to be, you know, and that that opens up this whole well of questions, and I think I think the trans experience is actually fairly universal amongst all people. Uh, they just don't really comprehend the difference and the similarity, but there's a moment for everybody, usually around 25-ish probably, where they're like, damn, I don't necessarily know who I am or who I'm going to be, and I should probably put some work into becoming that thing now, or else I'm going to be 50 years old and go, shit, I never tried. And if everybody's feeling that way, then I guess... Uh, that's a fairly universal experience. So, like, creepypasta, for for the people writing creepypasta, it's an act of control, right? It's an act of making, like, painting that 
And then once you do it, you're like, well, shit, if I can do this on paper, I can do this in my life. And then as someone reading Creepypasta, you're looking at it and you're like, this person just is nobody that nobody knows who the fuck this person is. And they wrote this like immaculate, huge story. And because of that, like they are in control of their narrative. I wish I had something like that. And so, you know, it is kind of that concept of like playing the character of whoever it is that you like prescribe to yourself in your own mind as to who that, who that person is, you know? And I I think the concept of personhood is very nebulous. I, I know that that's a weird thing to say, but I do think it's true that, that like, uh, there's a linear weird path that I think a lot of people's lives take and it's very similar to other people's lives. You know, the same can definitely be said about like some right-wing weirdo who's like, I found QAnon when I was 25 and I've decided that this is my entire fucking life now. Um, you know, and, and at some point they were like, I'm going to make my parents proud by becoming this character that they would love if if I was, you know, and, and then there's the alternative, which is like, I... Um, want, I want to be myself in spite of the consequences. Um, and like it's that, that in and of itself is almost blameless. So, you know, like the concept of transitioning, I think is inherent to a lot of online culture because it's a lot of people in either in control of or not in control of their narrative asking themselves that question and creepypasta just so happens to be one of the places where people are doing that a lot and so these questions are pouring the fuck out of them and of course this ends up becoming a queer thing yeah it's kind of like this has that that um that kind of has a lot of resonances with um something we've discussed on like on a couple of specific episodes, I think we talked about it on, like, the Lovecraftian queerness episode and probably a bit on the Death in Venice one. The idea of, like, um, the the kind of, like, the pinpointing the origins of, like, an emergence of a, um, a queer, like, political subjectivity from a otherwise, like, rigidly um, heteropatriarchal society. And, like... When, when it came to, like, kind of, like, the conceptualizing of, like, um, the homosexual in modern terms, like, the origins of that were very, well, like, at least in Europe, uh, were tied up with the, the, com- the concept of, like, the fin de Cecile late 19th century dandy, like, the aesthete, the person who kind of, like, didn't have a kind of, have a kind of space for them to kind of experience, um, the kind of feedback loop of recognition and things and so like and so kind of like Oscar Wilde and 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 Aubrey Beardsley and stuff became that for like the modern homosexual and like I don't know I just like if we are making a kind of like comparison like um, the unfortunately like delayed like finding of that for trans people I I think I'm I'm actually delighted that Creepypasta is is essentially is the closest I think as we're gonna get to our version of that. Like our Oscar Wilde is, um, is it's both. Uh, it's simultaneously scary and innocent, yeah. so it's a safe space. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also just like as a kind of like meta point about this podcast. I really like the idea of like if someone came to this podcast having not read any creepy pasta and not and listened to the multiple episodes where we've talked about it at length 
continuing to not read Creepypasta, they're going to come away from it with this idea that um, all Creepypasta is this, like, intense, like, weighty cultural kind of like sphere of discourse and philosophical exploration but it's super not yeah and then they're gonna open up uh jeff the killer and And read it one time yeah yeah they're like okay um cool Um, well and and the thing about creepypasta too that a lot of people don't realize is that it's good that it's bad it's good that it sucks (laughs) because it's a feedback loop regardless of quality like yeah. It's and that that makes it healthy, you know. I think um, there's a lot of this thing in the trans community, uh, not to get too into the weeds, but um, there's this thing in the trans community where it's like people look down on people that are starting to transition, like people who have been transitioning have a tendency to look down on people that are starting, or they have this infantilizing thing where they're like, either this person's a baby and they need help, or this person is a baby and they need help. You know what I mean? It's like one of those two things. And, uh, and I mean, uh, in one hand, it's like representative about how we all kind of feel a little, a little scared of pissing off our feedback loop because we do rely on it. But in another way, it's like creepypasta is great because no matter what the creepypasta is, no matter how fucking terrible it is, um there will be fan art of it there will be a million comments and all of them will be positive um <laughs> and because, because of why that you come to it to criticize it it's fucking ex- creepypasta <laughs> exactly like it's creepypasta so you know where a lot of people struggle on the whole being themselves like uh, in the world or even online now you know there's a lot of social spaces where uh you know it's social media shit it's like it, it is it is the global community and you putting your face out into the global community is terrifying. But, you know, there's a weird, I think, comparison between creepypasta boards and 4chan boards where it's just like anonymity, but also a feedback loop within anonymity. And that is a place where people have a tendency to find themselves more than just biting the bullet and going straight into the global community with their with their proclivities if that makes sense and yeah no that absolutely um shit like okay well then well then like are we on final thoughts right sorry Um, are we on final final thoughts then are we on final i think we're on final thoughts yeah all right um actually no i think as well as final thoughts i was like yeah so is there anything you want to plug um plug like, yeah well as in we already kind of like uh we already kind of like telegraphed the fact that you are a renaissance woman of the um of of of, of video essaying but also novels and hyperpop and and dare i say like terrifyingly prolific like really like yeah it's it's all inspiring to witness yeah um thank you uh you pretty <laughs> much said all the things uh, what do I want to plug? Uh, I want to plug in a. Uh, I want to plug in a power drill into an outlet <laughs> so that I can uh, uh, stick it in someone's head. Like no, um, no. Uh, uh, what do I want to plug? Uh, I have a new book. It's called Girl Flesh. Um, less than a year between two books. Why am I like this? Uh, it, trust me, trust me. It's a nightmare to be in here too. Um, 
so uh there's that then i have a new album even though i just put out a new album but uh get the fuck ready for that uh april 11th uh it is a full length i mixed it in la uh so it's it's what they call good um and then uh i'm always working on something i have a bunch of music videos that i'm shooting this week um my girlfriend calls me multi-hyphenated uh, she doesn't, uh, she, she also calls me dangerously prolific, but she also calls me multi-hyphenated and I'm, I'm growing to like that. So, um, I'm working, I'm always working on one of the several hyphens. Uh, but that's mostly because I have hideous ADHD. I am unmedicated. And if I get medicated, then I'm not going to make anything. I'm going to go to sleep. And uh, so I, I might just roll on this unmedicated thing for a bit so that I can get all my shit done before I'm 40. So that by the time I'm 40, they can old folks home me real quick and I'll just pass gently into the night. You know what I mean? Um, no, I. I uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing now uh but i'm always doing a shitload of stuff uh every week it's changing but um that's that's what i'm doing these days moving on (laughs) cool well i think that's been this has been a podcast this has been the podcast this is and will continue to be a podcast so this is yeah well yeah this has been weird signal yeah wait Uh, wait I think we used to do with. I remember back in the Haustian days of when we did podcasts from the before times, I would occasionally try and um, ask the guest to say, keep it weird so we can reply and stay signal. Yes. Uh, would you be able to give us a, um, till next time, keep it weird? Okay, first off, don't ever tell me what to do. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep it weird. And stay stay signal. Good fucking night, listeners. Bye. Goodbye.